Hi, my name is Madeline Isabella, and you're listening to Connection to Source, a podcast supported by the Yoga Foundation. In this podcast, our hopeful conversation is with Kat Lau. Kat Lau is an energy healer and intuitive coach who holds women through emotional healing. She's passionate about creating spaces for deep and meaningful connections with others and themselves. Her experience as an advisor for organic farming and responsible consumption made her realize that everything is connected and that we must tend to ourselves before we can move into the world to create impact. She hopes to make healing and wellness more accessible to all. Hi, Kat. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Maddie. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. So for those of you who don't know, Kat and I actually did our 200-hour yoga teacher training in Sri Lanka nearly 18 months ago. So this is a conversation well and long overdue. So I'm very excited to have you here. It's so crazy that it's been, now that you say 18 months, so much has happened in between. Yeah, too much. Um, as most people know, we've had COVID. We have been running riot in the world. Um, and we definitely bonded over there with our philosophies on life and nature, Mother Earth and healing. So we're very excited to have um, your outlook on some of these topics today. So for the guests out there, just uh, I thought it might be a good idea to get you to explain a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you're going and anything, all the greatness about you. Yeah. Um, so it also, it depends how far back we want to go. Um, <laughs> but I think it's kind of interesting to see also how I started to get into sustainability, how, um, my awareness grew. So I actually studied journalism in university. I don't know if you know that, Maddie. No, I didn't. I'm yeah. surprised. <laughs> yeah. So I studied journalism, um, communications, uh, because I really wanted to become a chef and I wanted to have my own TV show, you know, travel the world. That was such a dream at that time. Um, and, you know, right after that, I went to school in Paris. Uh, I went to cooking school there. So my love for food grew, um, but you know, well, well-being in the kitchens is not exactly a thing. Like it's kind of the opposite world. Uh, there, it's high stress, high anxiety. Um, so I did what I had to do to get my experience in a kitchen. I worked in Michelin star restaurants, and then came back to Thailand. I had a beautiful job, but I did realize over time that I was feeding my ego know to mm. to just be in this job to be in front of the camera um and to travel it was something that i could say look what i've done i'm on tv or i'm you know i'm i'm in front of the camera i'm successful so that was completely ego driven um so i hit a wall um in my career because i got to where i thought i wanted to go and then I had also at that time um, this little this dip because I had just gone through a breakup, and I turned to yoga as as I you know you also turned to yoga. <laughs> it's always the story. We always <laughs> find ourselves on the mat when life goes crazy. No, um, for me it was a breakup and also being completely lost in my career. 
and I went on a 10 day retreat. Um, we ate, we ate really clean food. Um, I did yoga every day and I turned off my phone. So I was completely disconnected from the world. And that was when I realized, okay, I want to somehow use my skills to help, um, to help people in Thailand. Cause I had just moved, moved back to Thailand at that point from France. Um, and I was just manifesting Maddie. I didn't know what was out there, but I just said, you know, please, you know, if I'm here to make a difference, if I'm here to let life live through me, um, you know, let me help. And then this job appeared. It was kind of magical. It was a place that I drove by every day to get to my other work. Um, it was a beautiful organic cafe in the middle of Bangkok. Um, and they had just started a project of um, organic farmers all around Thailand. Um, they were supporting them getting their crops and turning them into um, food products, body care products. And I know I was explaining that to you when we met in Sri Lanka and we had just turned into or started our organic clothing line. So that was kind of the journey to get me into sustainability. Um, maybe we can start there. Like that's yeah. where... That's this is where it it's all coming. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I remember you working in the fields and then at that point I hadn't started my master's. So I found it all very interesting. And um, I got into sustainability from that sustainable fashion perspective. So how can that industry be so sustainable when, I mean, I'm a fashion lover, so I loved clothes. And then to know that it was one of the worst industries was quite shocking to me. So it was great talking to you about all that information. And then from there, you developed into Reiki and alternative healing, which is also a really interesting story. Yeah, I mean, you know, this isn't the interesting thing when we started talking about how the shift happens. And the thing is that I don't know if you remember when you were like awakened to what was really happening in the world, but I remember mine very clearly. And before I started this job, I kind of knew what was happening, but I didn't really, you know, it didn't touch my heart until I went on this, um, like, beach cleanup in, in Thailand. It was just a few activists, like four. It wasn't even a project yet. It was just really people getting together to see how bad the beaches had gotten in Thailand. Um, so I went with a friend who was an activist and we went to this island off of Pattaya, which is this, it's this crazy place in Thailand now where <laughs> everyone knows is just trashy. Um, but this island was, you know, 40, 30, 40 years ago, um, a little slice of heaven. Um, there were corals growing everywhere on the island. You could see turtles. Um, and now it's, such a pity that it's this place that tourists go and get dropped off at and then get picked up at from by a ferry and it's left completely trashed with plastic bottles everywhere and you can it's it's really sad and for me to see how far my country had gone in just a couple of years really touched me and I remember 
I didn't have the consciousness at that time. I didn't have the self-awareness at that time either. I just had anger. Okay. And I think that's where a lot of, um, you know, activists also work from is this place of anger. I remember, um, you know, just looking through the island and I saw so many, like I saw this one woman just get her plastic bottle and just flip it over her, like, like behind her shoulder, you know, she just threw it just like that. And I went and picked up the bottle and I wanted to throw it back at her face because I was so angry. I was like, how? and I was also victimizing the island, my country, myself. I was like, how could you do this to us, our island, me? The, you know, and it was, I didn't have the consciousness or awareness at that time at all. I just had pure anger and, you know, it didn't do anything. Obviously that woman was just like, oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> What I don't yeah. care. <laughs> it's interesting that yeah, I had the same moment in terms of environment and sustainability when I was in Colombia, and I remember driving around and I was like, oh gosh, look at all this rubbish. There's plastic everywhere. Don't they know how beautiful this land is? They need to look after it. And this local just turns to me and he goes, why would they care about plastic? He goes, they need to put food on the plate for their children. They're not educated. They don't know. And then that was the turning point for me when I thought, ah, this is a bigger picture moment. This is, there are so many elements feeding into this one issue. And that's why sustainability is so tricky because you can't solve it with one answer. It's a collective. It's the awareness. It's the consciousness all coming together. And like, uh, I would like to actually expand on the element of anger. There's research that says through climate change with the increase of heat, um, there's a lot more with um, the element of anger. So people, higher rates of domestic violence, fights, all these crazy anger-related issues coming from just the heat rising. So what future does that <laughs> leaves us with a pretty bleak future, I think. Um, is that something you've noticed through your work as well? I mean, it's so... I love that you said that because it shows also how connected we are with our environment and there's no way of creating a barrier. We are a part of this world. We are a, part, we are a reflection of our environment, right? So, I mean, with heat and anger, I think that's also where the awareness comes in to shift where we channel that anger or do, you know, what we do with that anger, right? when we're unproductive, that anger becomes destructive. I remember when I was living out of that anger, um, I had to, I was becoming very aggressive at home with my parents when I would see them bring in plastic just because they weren't like aware. You know, I, I got so angry that I had to move out of home. I, I couldn't be around them anymore. And that wasn't productive or it wasn't, educational in a loving way it was just I'm angry I'm I'm angry at the world and then because of that you know that kind of burnout phase yoga and mindfulness actually gave me this um this way out or this understanding that we're not in this alone it's not our fight and actually fighting doesn't do anything fighting would only add to that heat that um aggressiveness that anger that is just going to lead to destruction yeah i couldn't agree more and especially um in yin and traditional chinese medicine how 
the anger is manifesting through particular meridian and energy lines. So when they're out of balance, you know, it, this external environment's changing, but we're also in changing this internal environment and how that's impacting us both internally, externally for the future is quite scary because I just don't think it's, it's been explored <laughs> as of yet. Um, so yeah, I find your work incredibly interesting and your take on mindfulness. And I know you recently spoke at the um, Global Shapers Community Summit. Um, did you have any, did you have a role there and what did you learn from that event? And yeah, that was the, first of all, the community, the Global Shapers community is, um, it's a really big honor to be a part of, of that circle because it's basically young leaders who are um, going to, you know, lead change in the world. And my role in it was to lead mindfulness sessions um, for the leaders. And it's all really relevant because we had this, this session, I, I asked the head of um, the community what shapers need um, during the summit and what he's seeing is becoming, is loud and, and what, what he's seeing is the problem. Um, and he's saying that it's a lot of stress because these leaders, they know, these young leaders, they know so much. They know too much. They have too much on their shoulders. They have too much responsibility to hold for the whole world. And the amount of stress is just keeping them in this loop, right? Mm. Um, so that's when I, I started leading this session of, okay, let's be really mindful of what we are feeding in this world. Are we feeding to this stress, this anger, this anxiety that's out there already? Or are we leading from a place of love? So that's when we have to be super mindful of our words, our actions, and where it's coming from, what emotion is driving it. And if we have that power to come from a place of love, to be heart-led and heart-centered, what kind of world will we live in? You know, it would be a very different world. So it was a really powerful, I led a few sessions, it was really powerful um, to see what a short meditation, a short um, reflecting session could do for these leaders. Um, and yeah, we, we had amazing people speak as well. We had Yo-Yo Ma um, speak about how art fosters active and engaged citizens. We had Al Gore speak. Oh, awesome. um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and what he said was, was really hopeful and promising for our future. Um, so it was, yeah, it was beautiful to see the two mm -hmm. worlds come together. Yeah. And I think my background academically is, um, I have a bachelor's in public relations. So coming from that angle, yours is journalism as well. That element of how news governs mm -hmm. this sphere and this conversation. And the ultimate goal of this podcast is to reshape the conversation, how we can, really integrate what we know, the research, and have a sense of calm when we approach these situations. And do you feel like that's reflecting in your work as well? I think so. I mean, it's, it's, very, it's really simple, right? When you look at the news and you go online and you're just bombarded by everything, first of all, we, most news is on the negative. It's on the... 
it's just more addictive now to read about how destructive the world is, how horrible yeah. it's going. It's, um, it's really clickbait. And, um, when you're not conscious about how you're consuming the news, it takes you on this loop and subconsciously really keeps us in high stress and anxiety. So it's really important, of course, to read the news. So I think when you do this work on yourself and you come from a very awakened place, you see that it's important, but also what is realistic for us to do? What am I doing to feed this or what am I doing productively? No? Yeah, I think the evidence, yeah, really shows um, it can kind of go either way. You either fall into that despair and sense of hopelessness Mm -hmm. or you come from that place of anger um, and that middle ground, like you've said, between coming from a place of love and that deep sense of self and understanding, especially for those who don't share your view because not everyone will share your view. So how do you approach that from a place that's not anger or fear is really challenging. Um, And I think the work that we're doing is definitely exploring those elements because the world can't continue this way for much longer. I think that's almost the biggest challenge, isn't it? When we go into mindfulness and well-being, is that, yeah, it's kind of easy to manage yourself because you can kind of understand where your boundaries are, um, what you like and what you don't like. But once you start relating to others and understand that they don't share the same views as you, it's really hard to relate and it's hard to also love them. You know, I think that's mm. when the real practice comes in is how do we love everyone or how do we offer love to even people who don't share our views, who don't understand the, the weight of everything that's happening, who don't understand um, systemic racism, climate change, you know, how important mental health is. It's not to say that we're right either, but how do we also hold space for that conversation and that debate from a place of love? I think that's the biggest challenge for me. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting even on the yoga mat, for example, when you're teaching, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, you can just see the subtlety of how different everyone's practice is and those who observe others, those that compare themselves to others those that try and match others. And I'm continuously like, look around. This is, you can look around, but come, keep coming back to yourself. Observe you. How does this feel for you? This is your practice. This is not mine. This is not the person next to you. And drawing it into your self-awareness, I think just fosters that deeper connection with not only your inner self um, and people don't want to face some of the internal dilemmas going on within themselves, but the inner self and also the environment around them, do you um, add those elements into your practice and teachings as well? Totally. Um, it's, it's so related, Maddie, to, you know, to it, the, the root awakening also is that all the work is within, right? And sometimes we always, it's too easy to blame what else is happening out there, how horrible the world is, how, oh, how horrible someone is to me, right? It's so easy mm-hmm. to pinpoint that. And the hardest work is to see that actually everything, all our triggers, all our shadows are actually within and everything else is a reflection of that. And once we, t- once we own that and once we 
take responsibility for that work that we need to do, everything around us, you know, it reflects that. So actually one of the biggest moments um, for me on this journey was in a Reiki session that I did on myself. Um, I was so stressed about the world and what, what's happening in the world. And I just got this message that said, you know, Mother Earth is going to take care of herself. She is going to be completely fine. Um, so don't worry. And I just felt all this weight lift from my shoulders and my body because it's, it's not about us. It's not about what we can fix or what we can change. It's rather how we can serve. No? Yeah. That yeah. little shift yeah. is so huge. <laughs> yeah. And the, it's so funny that you bring that up because even today, just driving in the car after a yoga class, I was just thinking this one sentence or two kind of sentences keep coming into my head. I'm everything and I'm nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I am everything in that I have the power within me. I am the self. I am this deep, deep connection to the earth. But at the same time, I'm nothing. Mother nature is a, such a strong force that are we adding the ego element of humans that we think we can control it, that we can stop what's happening. I find that paradox quite um, interesting. But, yeah, today just I'm everything and I'm nothing. I'm everything and I'm nothing. And I just, your statement just reminded me of that. <laughs> That's beautiful. And what did that do for you? What do you think that statement um, does for you when you look at how the world is happening or what, do, yeah. That same element um, that you spoke about, I used to get ang- anger, always from a place of anger. And anger is an intergenerational trauma for my family. It's ingrained in our culture. It's, it's there. Um, and I would you know, approach my family from a place of anger constantly. Why don't you care about the environment? Why don't you believe in sustainability? Why don't you believe in yoga even? So, you know, I had to always for a while came up from anger and now I'm just, I'm also a Virgo. So I'm a control freak and a perfectionist. So I love Virgos. I love Virgos. (laughs) So I have to control literally everything. And I have, I repeat that to myself to be like, nature, mother earth, the universe has it sorted. And I am everything and I'm nothing to that. I can make the biggest difference that I can make in this time, in this place as who I am as a person, the skills I have to offer this voice that I'm now speaking with, sharing this message. But at the same time, mother earth is slowly healing. There's a shift in the planets. There's a shift in the world around us and it's coming. It might just take, we're just so used to things being, you know, the click of a finger now that we don't understand the process of patience and waiting. Yeah. I feel, I feel your words very deeply and it's, um, it's just the truth. I don't know. I mean, mean, it's hard to say what is true and, and what is the truth, but for me that rings so true that, um, yeah, I mean, it, it really does start within. And when we see that it's already in its course, nature is already repairing herself. It's already, she's taking care care of herself. All we really need to take care of now is ourselves, our actions, and the people closest to us who are 
sometimes the most difficult. Yeah. <laughs> a reflection of us, that's why. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, even um, the COVID, in, I was saying before, the two elements of oh, I'm appreciating this time to step back, realising that, yes, I need to nurture myself, look after myself, I can't work. 16 hour days anymore people realizing that people spending more time with their families I think as traumatizing and as severe as this um, issue has been it's it's already started reshaping society as a whole um, which I'm excited about I don't know about you but I'm kind of excited to see where it leads us in the future yeah it is it is exciting because I think with think with situations like these it gave us no choice it gave us it gives us no choice but to adapt and that's what we're going to see with climate change we're you know we're going to adapt when it gets bad you know and somehow it gives me a sense of peace because that's sometimes the medicine we need you know to taste what we've created to 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 be confronted by it because until then I still believe that, you know, there is a, there is a movement to create change and there is a lot of, um, there is a lot of power behind that, but for the whole system and the whole world and and for large businesses to make a shift, it's going to come to choice. It's going to come to not having a choice. Yeah. And, and sustainability is so ingrained, like the traditional definition, for example, is like, for sustaining things for the future to come and it kind of that role of responsibility has kind of been lost who's responsible is it the corporations is it the government is it an individual person where's that responsibility coming from and how is that changing as well I think um we'll see a lot of shift in that I think but like you said it's all about choice yes and you know also it's interesting when you said that because these corporations, you know, there are people behind it and those people have families and those families are humans, right? And we share this planet with them. So if they won't let their families suffer from climate change and they won't let the people they love suffer, that gives me hope because we're all in this together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no fleeing to another earth. So that is kind of why as heavy as the situation is right now um, with wildfires happening everywhere, refugees escaping um, to foreign lands and um, of course COVID, as heavy as that is, it really does bring us to a point of change or a point of reflection and, and, and re rediscussing, you know, what, what kind of earth we want to live in, what kind of world we want to live in. Yeah. And I find it um, for me personally, I used it as a time to not shut myself off, but really acknowledge where my energy was going. So I spent a lot of time alone I have a partner, so I spend a lot of time with him as well because we weren't allowed to leave the home. But, you know, I spent a lot of time um, by myself being out in nature, sitting in the park, just reflecting and realising that I actually was uh, expelling my energy on a lot of people that, you know, 
friendships changed and it was time to leave them behind. Not in a bad way. It was out of love. It was just acknowledging that we're on different paths now. And I'm a very different person to who I used to be a few years ago. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting how that, even that shift from connection. And even though I was losing some friends, I've gained so many more in other areas. So I think as well, that deeper connection to even being alone, I still fostered it through other relationships. Do you feel like Maddie, um, this awareness of where your energy goes, who receives it and everything also allows you to channel it um, for the earth and the climate and, you know, the situation out there in a different way? Yeah, I can't, um, I have been able to chat, yeah, channel it in a clear and concise way that before I would be like buzzing around constantly and I wouldn't have any energy to sit there and embody things. And now I've started to learn to embody the natural elements. I work with water, I work with fire, I work with this. So even if I'm not outside, I'm continuously just picking up on these elements of mother nature, which gives me a connection even if I can't go outside during the day, which I think is really nice. Um, and that's actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you. So uh, yin teacher, Reiki, mindfulness, and many other forms of healing. Do you think these mediums will be able to facilitate that deeper connection so people can understand themselves and the environment as a whole and together? 100%. I think all of this work is focused on understanding the healing that we need um, personally. And inevitably that reflects on our environment and the world. So, you know, I I focus a lot on emotional healing. And when we do that, um, we understand that we're not unique in that way, that everybody goes through a form of trauma in, in, in when in, in their own way and when we realize that we're connected through this journey this life journey we also have more compassion for people and it, it could be more compassion for our family I find a lot of compassion for strangers because I know that they're going through um, their own thing and that just makes me feel that we're just more connected no, we're, we're all the same. And when we see that, it kind of just expands the circle of connection. It could be a tree. It could be a bird. You know, we're all, for me, I see us all as, as one. And Reiki, meditation, yoga, coaching, this is all ways to understand ourselves and others. And if we're just trying to understand ourselves and others, it's just a way of um finding love and compassion for one another. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. And I think um, I think I may have told you this on our training, but actually the first time I really became stressed by environmental issues was a school teacher told me that in a billion years the sun, because it's a star, would expand and explode and we'd all die. And I was probably six years old and from that moment that instigated my concern for the environment I remember I don't think I ate for a week I was so anxious and stressed from that because I was like oh my gosh humanity like my 
children from a billion years down the road may be impacted by this event. So for me, this happening almost in real time is stressful to my body. And I'm fortunate enough that I had these coping mechanisms before to help me integrate a mindfulness practice and deeper understanding that probably not going to happen. But um, <laughs> little things like that. It's so interesting when I look back, I'm like, oh yes, that was the first time when I was probably six, that, that initial fear of, oh, our natural habitat may not be the same. So it's interesting to hear people's personal experience where they, that clicking moment of, oh yeah, something's happened or I need to care a little bit more is interesting because we are all connected. Yeah. It's like, that's so cute, by the way, that you didn't eat for a week. And yeah, children have that sensitivity, right? And and also, you felt you felt threatened for the first time, hmm. and that's scary. Where the the problem is now, we're so numbed by everything is that we don't actually feel like we, you know, it's a problem or that it's a threat when it's a huge one. Um, it, I mean, they call it a climate crisis, but we're not we don't want to pay attention to it right now, you know? No. And I think it brings back, this is my personal opinion, but I think for me it comes back to that idea of we don't want to think about our mortality Mm. and those feelings associated with it. Whereas yoga teaches you to live a peaceful life and teaches you how to be calm for that moment because you know, you're going back to yourself essentially like you're one, you've complete your life. You've lived your life. So I think it comes from that question of why are we so fearful of mortality? Do we think we're above nature? Do we think that ego element kind of comes into it as well? Um, and that's why we're scared to address the issue. So I don't know, that's my personal opinion. You know, you might disagree or agree. I don't know. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, that is, I mean, that yogic teaching is, you know, teaching you to get out, get out of the ego, to to not care so much about you. It's not about you. And once you get into that thinking or that mentality, you see the world differently. And and you know, we're not saving the world for us because, as we said, no, mm. it's it's fine the way it is without us, without humans, the earth will be fine. Yeah. Um. It's just about, I think, helping people appreciate the beauty that is earth so that we can protect her. Yeah. It's finding the beauty in the little things. And I think people, the subtleties of just walking with no shoes on or looking outside and just looking at the sunlight or, you know, just little simple things. It doesn't need to be, you need to go sit and meditate for three hours a day outside. It's just finding that gratitude in the little elements every single day can make a huge difference. That's it. That's why we find now during COVID that so many people are craving nature. You know, we're, we're, we're craving time in nature, craving connection to nature. Um, actually, had, have you ever tried forest bathing, Maddie? No, someone's mentioned it to me the other week and I was like, oh, it sounds interesting. Yeah. You can explain it's, it. I'm interested. <laughs> it's funny because um, last year after our training, I kind of had a year of play and I did this short workshop in Barcelona actually um, around forest bathing. And 
It was, it's basically mindfulness in nature. So you're really connecting and awakening the senses while you're in a forest, essentially. Um, and, you know, there are a few rituals that we went through that weren't too woo-woo. I was really, I, I was a bit disappointed at the end of the workshop because I wanted some shamanic experience <laughs> where, you know, we were dancing you around a fire. Yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't that. But after some reflection, I realized that it was actually um, so beautifully crafted the way the experience went because it was so accessible to everybody. And instead of you know hiking through a mountain or through a forest, um, we walked very short distances and. Through and, and pay a lot of attention to the tiniest details of a leaf, of, you know, a tree bark. And that was the first time I saw nature that way. And I, that was the first time I saw nature so alive. Um, and now every time I look at a tree, I see, I see trees in a completely different way now. It, it, it just brought my level of um, senses to nature to another level. So... Yeah, I would completely recommend that. It would, it's it sounds it's like beautiful. a great experience. Yeah. Mm, how yeah. lovely. I know. I think I noticed the incredibleness of nature when snowflake would fall onto my ski glove and every snowflake was unique. And I was like, that's incredible. Look at the intricate design of this snowflake. Like, no one's created this. Well, nature has, but no one manufactured <laughs> this. Like, look how beautiful it is, every single one. And that was my, oh, nature. So beautiful moment. <laughs> There's this quote, Maddie, that um, I forget who who said it first, but that we need to find beauty in nature and find love in that beauty to know that we have to protect nature. Um, and that's kind of what both of us are saying is that we were mesmerized by an aspect of nature to realize how alive it is and how precious and um and also sensitive it is no yeah yeah and that subtlety of just observing maybe putting the phone down when you're walking down the street and it doesn't mean you have to be in the forest or wherever like it's just the breeze up against the skin on the street it could be literally anything but it's just taking that moment to surrender to it rather than distracting yourself constantly with phones tv whatever it may be just sitting with it walking with it just being present i guess yeah it comes back to that being present with your experience every day yeah yeah Exactly. So um, I'm going to come up to the last question. So I'm going to ask all the guests this. How do you implement a mindfulness practice in your life? Hmm. To connect to myself, I I do self-healing with Reiki. Um, Quite often when I feel like I'm unbalanced, my energy is everywhere. It really helps me ground back into my body And I do it at night just to get a good night's sleep. And that really helps me. Um, Yoga is always such a beautiful physical practice to release. So I do a lot of yin, actually. Um, I love yin. It's so delicious. Sounds very you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And um, journaling is actually one of the key things that I've done ever since I was a kid. I, I journal everything 
you know, if, if I have a discussion or a fight with somebody, you know, um, if something triggers me, I journal about it just so that I understand better what exactly got me. Um, yeah, I, journaling is such a tool as well. So yeah, those are my practices. And, um, these days spending a lot of time in nature, um, is incredibly healing. Yeah. That photo of you in the lavender farm. Oh, it looked amazing. Oh gosh. <laughs> that, I mean, there's a backstory and it wasn't, it wasn't all smooth how that went out, but, um, <laughs> it was, uh, that was, that was a magical night. Nature is wild as well. We didn't sleep very well that night. <laughs> no, I would have been petrified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the truth of it. <laughs> yeah. So to also close out the podcast, I'm going to get Kat to lead us through a short meditation so we can help ground ourselves and just connect back with our inner self. If meditation's not something that you've participated in before, just coming in with an open mind. Okay, perfect. So um, wherever you are, if you're driving, of course, um, skip this next part and you can continue the podcast when you get home. Um, find a comfortable seat wherever you are and close your eyes. Take a deep breath through your nose and exhale through the mouth, letting out any noise, any sighs. Inhale through your nose and exhale again through the mouth. Grounding deeper into your body. Just return to regular breathing. And at the top of your head, imagine a white flower opening up. Imagine just pure white light flowing through this flower, past your forehead, down to your throat, your heart, your belly, down your legs, through your feet, And all the way down to the center of the earth. Imagine this white light wrapping itself around the core of the earth and charging itself in this grounding energy. The light flows back up through your feet, up your legs, to your belly, to your heart. Imagine that with every exhale, this energy is creating this little safe sphere around your heart space, growing 
by a centimeter every time you exhale. Until this beautiful glow surrounds your entire body. And just notice how big this space is and how surrounded you are by this energy. Knowing that you're always connected to the sky, to the trees, to the earth and her energy, as well as all those who walk this earth with you. And when you're ready, and slowly open your eyes. And coming back to the breath this time and this place. The hope in me acknowledges the hope in you. Thank you for listening to Connection to Source. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. To find out more, visit connectiontosourcepodcast.com. If this podcast brought up any concerns for you, please reach out to Lifeline on 13, 11, 14 or other alternatives such as Beyond Blue, eHeadspace or Kids Helpline. All links are available in the bio.